1: You're listening to The Corona Diaries a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth Hello and welcome to chapter 32 of The Corona Diaries and it is the morning after the night before Woohoo! Um, and by that I mean that I joined the the Hogarth family virtual quiz last night, <laughs> and that isn't an event. Mm. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> Your family are a hoot.
0: Yeah, hey. no, I'm blessed with a very, very nice and interesting family. <laughs> and <laughs> my sisters are funnier than me. Our Jill, in particular, is just one of those people with funny bones. She doesn't have to say anything.
1: Well, I think that that whole loose idea of doing an episode with your sisters has now taken real shape. Yeah,
0: Uh, they're so up for that. Yeah, yeah. Out of spite, I suspect. You
1: you could tell that that already they were bristling with stories. (laughs) <laughs>
0: and, you might have heard them all, of course.
1: <laughs> and, and bristling probably is the right
0: adjective. <laughs> um, uh, she did bird, once hit me with a hairbrush. And did she? She nearly brained me, yeah, oh. I saw once, yeah. Because she was the youngest of the three and therefore the most violent. Right. Um, and I did I did at one point say something to her about her. She, she, we'd got this big wooden hairbrush and she brained me with it <laughs> on the subject of bristling.
1: my brother my brother broke my nose with a cricket bat
0: good man i mean that's dreadful
1: (laughs) yes absolutely and then and then to be fair a couple of years later tried to straighten it with a golf club
0: oh bloody hell no hard feelings (laughs) then
1: no 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 we get on fine we get on fine i i I think i lost touch a while ago no we get on very well
0: i'm glad i didn't have a brother to be honest i don't think i don't think that would have gone well Do you not think? No, I just... It was nice to have sisters and not have another sort of male person to have to vie with.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Vie. So, so, yes, so it was a very entertaining evening and, actually, um, some very good questions. You've got a creative bunch as well, haven't you? Most of them were yours,
0: as I recall.
1: Uh, Well, well, no, no. uh, I was a bit... I was a bit lost as to know what to do. But, oh, you did uh, make
0: me feel thick. I thought, God, I do feel thick. I think we lost last night. Didn't we? But I, me and Lynetta completely, well, I, I, when I say me and Lynetta, she left halfway through to put vibes there was to a, bed.
1: There was a point where she shrugged her shoulders, took a look at you, sighed and just walked
0: off. Yeah, that happens quite often. Right. Most days, in fact. <laughs> right. Usually over breakfast. Yeah.
1: I still can't get over the fact that you wake up and apologise just 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 because doesn't help. <laughs> so so that was last night, and that was a, that was a a, a a great evening, and definitely the whole idea of a, of an episode with with uh, with with Jill and Sue is definitely going to happen. Mm, definitely, definitely going to happen. Uh, Def- so we're, we're that's that's nailed on there. Anyway, we. Um, um, and a big shout-out to Orion as well. I met Oren for the first time. He's, not, he's a nice bloke. Oh, so, yeah.
0: yeah, lovely. Non, non yeah. nicer than Mr Hertz.
1: Yes, lovely to meet you, Oren. Um, hopefully see you again. Well, hopefully see you again next week. Um, <laughs> we've got an announcement, haven't we? Or oh, you've got an announcement.
0: I have, yes. After much um, technical um, j- j- jiggery-pokery, is the, is the word I've, that best describes it, there was jiggering and pokering, <laughs> Um, down at Saint John's Church um, in last Wednesday evening, uh, can you jigger and poker in the we, House of Our Lord? We did it. If you've got enough people, and right. um, um, and we did, we had uh, we had Tim Sidwell jiggering and Phil Brown pokering, and um, we 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 got it working. And so this means that I am I am pleased and to some extent relieved to announce that I am going to do the H-Natural Christmas show from St John's Oxford, uh, unfortunately without an audience, but we're going to live stream it on Saturday the 19th of December. Um, Mr Anthony Short will be <laughs> joining me um, to, to try and decode uh, what the pundits are saying and and what I'm doing. Uh we we'll probably throw a, a short live podcast in the middle of it, if you'll pardon the pun. Um they're all short technically, of course. Um but this one will be shortened by the sentences of the word. I'll I'll maybe do a short reading of the diary. And um, the usual stuff. Sit down at the Steinway piano, get into the vibe, um play whatever crosses my mind. Uh accept comments and possibly even requests from uh, facebook um so get your comments in lucy jordash will also be present as the queen of uh, social media um trawling the uh, the the digital plane the digital plane mm-hmm. um for your uh, for your comments filtering out your abuse and passing positive, groovy vibes back to Antoni. Um So between all of us, Tim Sidwell's going to film it with, with several cameras. Um, I don't know who's going to operate them. Uh, <laughs> trained cats are going to operate the cameras. Oh, cats, hang on. Cats might not be a good shout. <laughs> well, they'll be on rails, so right. it'll be all right. What about that
1: fella who, who does Mariah? Well, he, he might he might pop along for the evening.
0: What, to carry me on to the piano st- Oh, well, you no, mean I was,
1: Lord the, B? Well, no, no, I was thinking the cameraman, the cameraman who's only allowed to shoot Mariah. Maybe you ought to have your own cameraman. Oh,
0: him. Uh, yes, yeah, we could fly him in. I'm not yeah. sure the budget will run to a private no. jet. But there no. we are. It's out of control already. It's costing thousands upon thousands to put it on, so we don't sell any tickets on it. <laughs>
1: Have you got Are they gonna do those little railway tracks for the cameras? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh we've got to strap the cats to something. <laughs> um so that's that's ongoing. That's on. a t-shirt. You've gotta strap the cats to something. <laughs> so so <clears throat> it that's it. It's 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 December the nineteenth, which is the Saturday before Christmas.
1: Mm-hmm. Woo-hoo.
0: And uh It'll be at 7, 7 p.m. Hogarth time and uh, we're going to sort out putting the tickets up on sale. And it's a mm-hmm. weird thing to sell tickets for because, you know, you buy a ticket and what does it mean? But I think it means that you get a link uh, you click on and then you're there. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, so I've done a thing, right? I've done an honesty Christmas Honesty Box ticketing system where if if there's gonna be several of you watching it, you can buy a family ticket for um for eighteen pounds, and a single right. ticket is twelve um, so of course you don't really have to buy a family ticket because you can you can all watch it anyway um, but if you're feeling groovy and you want to support you want to support the evening and there are several of you I would plead. I would plead because this is costing me so much money Um, because those cats aren't cheap. Um, And um, I would plead with you to buy a family ticket if several of you are going to watch it. But it's an Mm. honesty box thing. And if you don't, never mind. Times are hard. Mm.
1: I think it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, really, I think it's (laughs) going to be a great evening.
0: What are you going to do about your baubles? Uh, Well, I'm just going to pack them tightly. (laughs) <laughs> Try and keep the cold out. Um,
1: I just assumed that was a consequence of age.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> break with tradition, put some underwear on, I think, for that.
1: <laughs> right, okay. So, so baubles yet to be determined whether b bauble will happen or not.
0: Oh, you mean the actual application of the baubles to the yeah. tree during the gig? I don't know how yeah. I'd do that. I think I might just have to dress the tree... You know, up front. Yeah, I could I could mingle in the background, baubling. You could, yeah, I mean, if you're a volunteer into mingling I don't bauble, mind if people wanted to send baubles in, I'll bauble. Where are they going to send them? I think send them to RackyCon. Your they? house? Home I think send them to my house if they like. <laughs> yeah. I'll, ar- I'll, I'll arrive with a box of baubles. <laughs> tightly know, packed. Could, could be quite funny. Why don't, why, we, why don't we put your address so people can send a bauble to you? To send a bauble to me? Yeah, that'd, that's fine. That'd be hysterical. That's, that's fine. How, how can that
1: possibly go wrong? No, it can't. <laughs> no, it absolutely can't.
0: <laughs> Nothing ever has.
1: No, no, it works so well. <laughs> so, so nineteenth, nineteenth of
0: December. Nineteenth, Saturday before Christmas. I'll sit down and do what I do what I do. Um, mm. I, I, I'm going to have nobody apart from you to share tequila with, so I'll be fairly hammered by mid-set. So I, by midday, I can't possibly. I can't guarantee technical accuracy throughout. <laughs> all right, but I think if you've been to one of my oh. gigs, you'll you'll have taken oh. that as read anyway. Oh.
1: Listen, if there's even a whiff of TCD involved, technical accuracy is <laughs> going to go out the window anyway. Yes, yes. You know, never knowingly people-
0: accurate. Never knowingly anything. Never they come for the vibe. Never knowingly playing the right chords.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, we're back to Eric Morecambe again, aren't we? <laughs> yes, Um uh, We are, yes.
0: So, right, That
1: well, in which case, that's great, and that will start to appear for the wider world. So when, when can you start to book those tickets then? When's it going live I in think, that respect?
0: I think we're going to announce it, you know, it, it might even be, be as early as... Um, Today, the time of 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 us recording this, in which case right. tickets will already be up and on sale by the time you hear this. Right. I think it's it, it's highly likely that um, it'll already be up and running, and I'll, I'll Lucy will announce it on Facebook, and I'm I'll, I'm going to put an e-web out hmm. via Marillion's website. Um, so we'll splash it round the world, and hopefully we we'll get a, a global crowd in. Oh, I think it'd
1: be brilliant um, I'm thoroughly thoroughly looking forward to it it's going to be great um, which brings us back round to um, part two of the H-Band story because we got so far I think we got as far as the end of the first kind of few dates so you'd got the band Clem was in the band Chucho was in the band it had expanded out a little bit from the from the album crowd uh, Aziz had popped along Yeah. Stephanie had popped along um Richard was still there, Dave was still there. Uh, you twisted Dave's arm and he he, he ended up quite enjoying it. He took
0: the slippers uh, off, and, yeah, put his <coughs> outdoor shoes on.
1: Yeah. Um but but and and obviously you did a few dates and, and we, we established it was only a few dates. Mm. Fan club supported as well. Mm. Um but then it takes on a, a a different life, doesn't it? Because the band mutates a little bit over a, over a... What was it? A couple more little... Rugs? We must
0: have done two more tours because I did a tour with... Uh, what was his name? Oh no, I've forgotten his name. He'll come to me. The, the The drummer from Texas. Not Texas, Arizona, but... No, the band's not Texas. Te- not Texas, Texas. Texas no, isn't in Arizona, no, is it? No, two no. different fucking states, you idiot. Um... Yes, Texas, the band, Charlene Spiteri and all of that. Spiteri's Mike, band. Mikey Wilson, I think he was called, Mike Wilson. Um, yeah. And uh, he was, I think he came to me via Aziz, I think he was a Manchester boy. And uh, so he came and drummed on one of the, on the next time we went out. Because uh, by this time, I think Blondie had decided to get back together. And so Clem was back out in his in his old band, you know, mm. with Debs. And so um, he wasn't available. Chucho had kind of vanished. I think he went back to Colombia. I couldn't get hold of him. But then he, he did reappear uh, playing uh, in Dave Gilmore's band.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that.
0: Um, so as I said said last week, that might be the main reason I couldn't get him on the phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, I haven't seen Chucho since, actually. I hope he's all right. He was very good value, um, quite apart from being a a brilliant bass player. He was just fun to have around. And so Mikey Wilson came in and played the drums and uh, I got a guy called Jingles playing bass and Jingles was very good also. Um, Is Jingles the right sort of name for a bass player? Yeah, You'd you'd have
1: thought percussionist would have been called Jingle. The
0: opposite end of the audio spectrum, really, isn't it, Jingle? Mm. It should have Mm. been called Booms or something, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) Rumble. Rumbles. (laughs) (laughs) Rumbles would have been a better name for him. But he was called Jingles uh, for reasons unknown. Um, And... uh, yeah, lovely guy, lovely guy, Jingles. Um, very. Where com- did he come from he then? He had a complex domestic life. Where did he come did he? from? Where did I find Jingles, my goodness?
1: Did Jeez. you just say he had a complex, a complex domestic life? He did. He As did. opposed to a musician that doesn't have he, a complex even, domestic life. No,
0: even compared to most musicians, <laughs> right. his, his domestic life was crazy. And so he was always on the phone when he should have been rehearsing. I mean, I had to be very patient working with Jingles. A great bass player, um, but n- n- easily distracted. Right. Um, but he was—he we went out in that form with Jingles on bass, and Mikey Wilson on drums, I believe. Um, and we did a tour like that. I think we played Dingwalls in Camden, and then we went out a third time after that and uh, i got a phone call one day and it was as easy and he said i was i was looking around for, for a drummer again and he said i know a drummer who's perfect for this band and i said who, who's that as he said he's called andy Gangadine and uh, he used to play with massive attack and i went oh not that bloke in the hat is it because I'd seen Massive Attack on uh, on Jules Holland, and uh, one night, and and they were absolutely brilliant. And I, and I remember sitting in front of the telly, thinking, "Who the hell is that drummer? My goodness, he's he's fantastic." Anyway, that was Andy, and. Uh, I said, well, do you think he'd fancy? It? And he said, I don't know, you know, but, but um, he'd got his number. So I phoned Andy up, totally cold, you know. I said, Hello, uh, hello, Steve Hogarth, you know, singer of a band called Brilliant. I've got this band called the H Band. And I've got Aziz you know, Ibrahim on guitar, Dave Gregory from XTC on guitar, and a da, daddy da, 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 doo do and a Richard Barbieri from. Uh, Richard Barbieri from Japan and, and Andy just went, What? The Richard Barbieri? I said, Yes. He went, I'm in. And that was a that 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 was enough. So Rich, Richard was the key to Andy's door. And uh and so then Andy was in the band. I think Jingles remained the bass player for a few dates. And then we did some sort of sporadic dates after that. Pete Travis came out and played bass. Oh wow. I didn't, well. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, Trousers did a couple of gigs with us for sure. Um, mm. that, uh, over I think I think Pete might have been playing bass in Europe with us. Um and Andy really liked Pete, he really liked his bass playing. Um so he was yeah, Pete everybody used to say, can Pete can Pete do it, can Pete do it. Um and so that in many ways was was the, the various the various forms of the H band. I was in the middle of a load of marital strife on the the last time we we did anything, I I was sort of out in Europe um trying to run these H gigs whilst at the same time on the phone trying to trying to stop stop my ex wife and I getting divorced. So so I was, uh, that was pretty tricky, um, I recall. But some of those gigs were were really transcendent. They were mm. really transcendent things. I used to swan on in, in... I managed to find a... Do you remember Afghan coats? Mm. You know Afghan coats? Mm. Well, I managed to find one that was entirely black. It was made out of black leather and it had all the black um, like sheepskin Hmm. trim Um, and I used to wear like a black feather boa with it and shake a lot of sleigh bells a lot of the time. So my role became quite shamanic or shamanic or whatever you'd call it, shamanistic (laughs) or shamanic. Um, I would just (laughs) groove around doing that. Um and the thing about Andy gangadine is he just has a darkness about his playing i mean he he has a way of producing you know or i don't know how you produce darkness with drums, but andy can um and, you know just these amazing dark and powerful um grooves um so they they were my favorite shows the shows that uh, uh, andy was andy was drumming. Uh, on really if i'm honest although you know clem clem in the early days you know if you're familiar with 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 blondie then you'll know what clem does i mean mm-hmm. he, he's got that really high energy punk yeah. punk thing and yet and yet sort of a bit of glamorous as well you know he all, mm-hmm. clem always looked great um that we didn't did the whole of that tour became almost a standing joke you know every um Every 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 pre-show on that tour, Clem would appear at some point and say to me, "Have we got a hairdryer?" And I go, uh, "Well, no, I, I don't think I don't think I've got it." Oh. Oh. And then I'd hear him, you know, talking to the other, "You haven't got a hairdryer," and he, and he he spent the whole tour trying to purloin hairdryers from people. Um, so, so Clem always looked great, you know, he was living in L.A. and got the sunset and all of that. So so Clem was quite showbiz in his own way, but a, mm. but a lovely, lovely guy, um, a really lovely guy and and a, and a brilliant drummer if you want that slightly loose, high-energy yeah, thing. High-energy, yeah. Um, and he was at the other end of the scale. He was very technically accomplished. Uh, you, you know, he just got... He got such amazing technique that you it's like he didn't need to use it, but everything yeah. was just spot on and dark, 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 dark. And I did at one point, um, some years later, I, I even booked a week at Stanbridge Farm and uh, the core members of the h band went down there for a week to try and jam and write, mm-hmm. and we 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 recorded all that in a multi track and I've still got all those multi tracks somewhere, but I never really got to doing anything with it. I just never really had the time, and I wasn't really sure that 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 what we came up with was was what i wanted in the end Uh, so that didn't quite work out i had this romantic notion that if i just put everybody in a place together to live together for a few days the magic would happen and Mm. i'm I'm, i mean we we recorded a lot of stuff but i'm not quite sure the ingredient x was in it so it never it never really went any further maybe i was the problem it could have been me that was the problem. Maybe I just wasn't feeling inspired myself, you know. But it 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 does need, you know. It sort of sort of brings me back to Keith Richards again, you know, in his book. And oh yeah, I I wrote I wrote satisfaction, you know. Yeah, and in his mind, he wrote satisfaction. But if Mick Jagger hadn't kind of heard that and had actually written Satisfaction, <laughs> it wouldn't have been anything, it'd just have been a good riff. Um, so you do need, it, it's not enough just to put a lot of great musicians together, you, you, you do need the inspiration that turns those things into songs and I just don't think I kind of had it going on at that point.
1: No, it. I suppose the other thing there is because the H band, you know, took on this aura. There's the there's the ice cream genius material, but then there's the other things that you did, and the other songs that you interpreted and covered, mm. uh, which um, you know, which is which is a skill. That's a that's a that's a thing to be able to do, um, and and that band seemed to be able to to really do it
0: yeah we did we did some really great covers um we did the art of dying by george harrison i don't know if you know that song and uh dave re dave greggs really nailed the guitar parts and it's it's got this this all sort of wah-wah guitar um and that was wonderful um and we did man of the world by fleetwood mac as well it's mm. a beautiful song what else did we do? I can't remember. We 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 did New Amsterdam by Elvis Costello. Mm. Um, so we, I I tried to choose, you know, really good songs by really diverse artists. Mm. Um, and, but I think I think there was a growing frustration between, you know, it came from Andy and Aziz a little bit that there were too many covers. And Mm. why don't we write something? And why are we doing all these covers when we could write something? And they probably got a point. But we didn't half nail some great covers. Oh, we did did the Jeff Buckley track as well, didn't we? Dream Mm. Brother used to... I think we we used to open with that. Um, That was terrific as well. So, um, So... we made, it's all on live spirit and live body. Mm. We made that. I had the idea to to make a, to, to do two, we we'd got two nights booked in at Dingwalls. So I said, wouldn't it be cool if the first night was all about darkness and atmosphere and the second night was more rock and roll and and we could call one live spirit and one live mm. body. We could have a spirit evening and a body evening. Um and so that's how that live album sort of took shape. And Dave Megan mixed that. So mm. it was the last time we worked with Megan, I think. Is that true? Was that post-anarachnophobia? I can't remember if that was you know? Do you know me. what neither can I? Mm. Um. I think that might have been the last work we did with Megan, though. I think he mixed it in his front room. I used to keep going to Surbiton and listening to his mixes.
1: We'll have to find that out because I don't know because didn't Dave did marbles as well, didn't
0: he? Yeah, he did marbles. And arachnophobia was after marbles, wasn't it? Was I it? thought it
1: was the other way around. Oh, was
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why would we know? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Well, he, well, he worked on some stuff. Uh, he Dave sure did,
0: yeah, yeah. Lovely, um, lovely day.
1: The, the bit that was new to me was that whole thing of you getting together at Stanbridge and actually,
0: you know... Yeah, I don't think I've ever gone public on that. It was a no. sort of experiment that, that never really came to anything and there was little point in talking about it, but, but we did mm. do that. We did go away and...
1: And that was the last incarnation, so that was with Andy...
0: People would probably love to hear those jams. It was with mm. Andy, and it was with a bass player called Chris, who, because uh, Andy had a band called the Bays, mm. that used to gig around, uh, and they used to play the dance tent in Glastonbury and stuff, and Womad, and and they used to uh, gig gig around, and 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 the 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 kind of ethos of the Bays was that it was um improvised every night um and so they would go on stage and they they would jam and so they they every show was different they didn't make records it was all about the live experience and that was the be all and end all of the bass and i went and saw the bass a few times and they were very sort of drum and bass and um yeah techno and you know high energy but all improvised i think there was two two keyboard players playing synths and samples and whatnot there was andy drumming and chris playing uh, bass i don't think they had a guitarist they might have had an occasional guitarist that wasn't there all the time um and so when I went off to Stanbridge's, I invited Chris to come and play bass because I thought Chris and Andy would would you know would have that chemistry between them, uh, which they do, and uh, and so it was the two of them, Richard, Aziz, and myself. Um, but it never quite came to anything. Okay.
1: You didn't mention Dave there. Do you think it was missing Dave Greggs?
0: It might have been that might have been part of the problem. Because what Dave bring well, Dave brings all sorts to the table, but what he 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 brings structure to the table. Mm. Um when we did the when we did the live shows and and rehearsed for them, Dave would always rock up with all the chords written out and so if anybody was you know what happens here he mm. could tell them there's usually someone in a band who who knows the chords <laughs> <laughs> not always <laughs> Well, in Marillion, it's Pete. You know, Without Pete Travis, nobody would know what was going on. He he, he he always tells Mark what the chords are. Even if Mark's written them in the first place, he doesn't know what they are. And uh, Pete's usually the one who then tells him what he'd done. Um, similarly with Rother's, you know, Rodders sort of actively avoids learning the chords uh, un- unless he absolutely has to. He thinks it makes him worse. Um, so so pete is the keeper of the cord the keeper uh, of the cord and nobody nobody else knows normally uh, he's always very happy to tell you he could charge Mm. us a fortune for this knowledge (laughs) but he doesn't fortunately um but yes someone has to know that shit and 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 in the h band, it was always dave dave's a great sort of Richard's very organised as well, to be fair. But I don't think Richard's much of a man for chords. He's more (laughs) of a man for notes. So uh, He doesn't (laughs) think in chords, which I think is a good thing. I think if you think in chords, and I do, you know, I'm always, oh, is that a G minor with a D, and oh, was that a sus four of this and a minor seventh of that? And it can become... um, you know, you, you, you end up thinking in building blocks rather than listening, yeah. you know, mm. to what actually sounds interesting. And Richard B has never gone beyond that stage. When, when, when he plays, he plays not with his fingers but with his ears, mm. you know, and he, he doesn't think in terms of chord shapes. He just listens um, and I think that, that sets him apart from an awful lot of people.
1: I would agree. I think um, the structures are the curse of the, the curse of the songwriter. Maybe not the musician, but the curse of the songwriter.
0: Whereas well, a million pop bands out there who who, who who all know chords, yeah, you know, and know blues chords and great guitarists who know blues runs, um, but but they've learnt them by rote and they sort of start to become building blocks that you go back to and you go back to and you go back to. Um, But the the, the, the truly great, great musicians are the ones who play with their ears, you know, and and can assign as much importance to one note as they can to 4,000. You know, yeah. A bit like the great guitar players don't really need to go... No. I mean, much as I love Eddie Van Halen, it's only once in a generation that somebody appears that can play, you know, can shred, you know, and play a play hundred notes a second that, that has a, really has anything to say. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's the people who listen and express themselves that, that are worth the money.
1: Uh, well, uh, there's an argument to say that the whole generation of guitarists that came after Van Halen, he was musical, they were technical.
0: Yeah, um, you, you have to be both. And yeah. if you're going to be one and not the other, then be musical. Yeah. Because technical's all very well, but you're not building a cabinet, you, you're creating art.
1: Well, I think we'll leave it there. I think we'll we'll disappear into diary on that bit of philosophy. Um and we've got the last bit of South America. In fact it's 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 the end of a diary section because we're in October and I'm just looking as we as we
0: talk. Oh did I and ever I've... tell you sorry That's oh, all right. you're trying to shut me up with this, but did I ever tell you about um Richard with his um with his did I ever tell you about Richard with his No Because... I haven't said that.
1: That rings a bell, but I don't know if you've said it on the pod or you've just said it to me.
0: In Better Dreams, because when, when, when I recorded Better Dreams, um, Craig Leon, the producer, and Dave Greggs, between them, wrote a string arrangement um, with, with like a little quartet that goes... And, uh, of course, didn't have that um, when I came to do it live. And so I took it from the multitrack, sampled it into um, Kurzweil and chopped it all up into sections so it was spread right across a keyboard and I didn't have the i, I, I was playing um, i was playing another part, so I asked Richard to cover that. And so <laughs> he used to stand there every night and, and looking at me as to say, "You bastard! You complete! How is this possible? You know." Um, and in the end, he really had it down, and and uh, it was. It was brilliant, but he hated doing it, um, you know. And and um, I, just, I just I just had a flashback to the memory of Richard with these, and I'd look I'd look over at him and I'd just get this hooded. <laughs> I wouldn't do this for anybody else, you know. Look, <laughs> uh, you know, um, it probably did him the world a good. <laughs> He strikes me as a man who would have a look like that. <laughs> oh Christ! He, even when he's happy, he looks like he's about <laughs> to murder somebody. You know, the thing. He's got, he's got such a. I mean, you're talking about my purple aura. Wow, he's got his own thundercloud. And oh. uh, when I first started working with him, you know, I'd keep stopping the session. Richard, are you okay? Are you, and he go, yes. And I go, nothing's wrong. No, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, just, just checking because there's this <laughs> f- 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 coming off him all the time, you know, like, like, like he was being tortured. Uh, but that's just his natural sort of resting, <laughs> resting <laughs> state of life. That's his resting state. <laughs> Sorry, diary. What well, you were yes, saying, yeah, I was,
1: yes, I was, I was trying to, I was. <laughs> I was trying to be all Dave Greggs and put a bit of structure into it all, but it um, all, all yeah. went badly wrong. Maybe, maybe I ought to speak to Dave Greggs at some point. Um, You'll find out so, why yeah. he
0: didn't want to take his slippers off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a question. Um, so we, when you finish this bit, which is October 92, which is the last bit of South America, we then jump to 93 and we jump to, to MOA. So wow. um, it's almost like a a bit of a passing of... You know, because obviously we're we, we're going out of holidays and that sort of section and that kind of period of time. Um, and, a, and for a lot of fans, there is that you know, holidays to Brave is a a weird transition. Yeah, yeah. So we're about to come. Yeah, there's a you know, it's we're coming to weird for us. Yeah, coming to the end of that and starting on something that will be a little bit a little bit
0: different. Um, so I'll I'll let you I'll let you crack on. Well, yes, the, the end, the, the, the last bit of South America. I th- I yes. Think, yes. The Brazilian showers.
1: The Brazilian showers, mm. yes. I'll put yeah. a photograph
0: somewhere. You... Maybe I'll bang it up on Insta.
1: <laughs> of the Brazilian showers. <laughs> if you're going to have a shower, might as well make it a Brazilian.
0: Death traps. Saturday, 3rd of October, Sao Paulo, day off. Staggered into the Hotel Della Volpe Garden around 10am and went to bed until 2. Taken out to lunch by JP from the record company. Only John, Pete and I managed to get up for lunch. Spent the rest of the day on the roof of the hotel listening to Led Zeppelin and cleaning my razor, which I had dropped in the sand at Los Caracas. In the evening we went to a club called The Limelight which bore a remarkable resemblance to the Limelight on Shaftesbury Avenue London Had a couple of mineral waters feeling somewhat delicate after yesterday's excesses Didn't like The Limelight much not my scene etc Went back to the hotel and went to buy buys Sunday 4th of October Sao Paulo Went to visit my old friend the marumbi Stadium, where we'd played in 1990, to see a football match, Sao Paulo versus Corinthians. Sunny afternoon, atmosphere totally electric in the stadium, and the football was of a class never experienced in England. Balletic in terms of grace and skill. Corinthians were somewhat outclassed by Sao Paulo, who, to our delight, won 3-0. The tall, athletic number 4 was awarded Man of the Match. Afterwards, we were taken out by Agnes from EMI to a Churrascaria restaurant, a typical Brazilian thing, where we were almost forced to consume hideous quantities of the best meat I have ever tasted. Phew! Pete T. pointed out the obscenity and decadence of it all in a city where such a large percentage of the population live in abject poverty. Went to bed feeling stuffed and guilty. Monday, 5th of October, Sao Paulo, Olympia. Woke up feeling weary for a press conference at 10 o'clock. Usual drill, but for once no one mentioned the poisson. Not nearly as explosive as Caracas all over by noon, so I went walkies and nearly bought jelly shoes and sunglasses had lovely salad at Tattoo Restaurant, which Camilla had pointed out yesterday. Got back at three to be told that Soundcheck was sliding back. Surprise, surprise. Sewed a few more buttons on, I found some really cool blue, pearl and amber shirt buttons in a little shop in Buenos Aires, so I was replacing my shirt buttons. And eventually left for the show at 4.30. To our delight... Sao Paulo number 4 football player, Ronaldo, who we'd watched yesterday, popped in to say he was a fan and would be coming to the show tonight. He made me a present of the shirt he had worn for the match. Bloody hell. Tuesday, 6th of October. Sao Paulo, Olympia. Roused at 11, snoozed a bit more and left the Dela Volpe garden at 12 for lunch with MTV all very nice but i wasn't hungry did a couple of tv interviews and decided to take the vj up on her offer to make me up like robert smith thought it would give the crew a giggle it never happened you can't trust these media folk drove to olympia to soundcheck security was tight they wouldn't let us in after much shouting we eventually gained entry and tweaked the on-stage sound, which seemed a marked improvement on yesterday. Returned to the hotel early for sleep and dinner alone in the restaurant, feeling reflective and melancholy. Cheered up considerably by the show, which was twice last night in all respects, especially the crowd who were in fine spirits. The backstage shower deserves a mention. It's electric, and it's connected to the mains by various exposed wires which stick out at the top of the unit. All metal parts, including the shower hose and head, are live and shock you if you touch them. The hose, taps and head are covered in insulating tape to reduce the chance of killing yourself to about 50-50. I gave it a mention when I was invited to sign the guest book afterwards. In the comments section I wrote, quote, Fix the fucking shower, someone's going to die. Arrange to meet promoter Muniz in the morning for an earlier flight to Rio. By the way, when I returned to this venue some years later, I noticed the shower was exactly the same. They hadn't even changed the insulating tape. Wednesday, 7th of October, Sao Paulo to Rio de Janeiro. Up at 7.45, packed and checked out courtesy of Katya and desk staff who were all at last night's show and seemed speechless with enthusiasm. Had breakfast with Nick B and waited for Muniz, who of course failed to turn up. Gave up waiting and flew to Rio with Camillo, our lovely and permanently smiling security man from Rio. I first met him when we played the Hollywood Rocks Festival in 1990. I was out in a street market mooching around Sao Paulo when I noticed him across the street and I thought I'd seen him in the hotel. "'Haven't I seen you somewhere before?' I said. He nodded and grinned. "'I'm Steve H from Marillion. "'Are you involved in the festival at all?' He nodded and grinned. "'What do you do?' I inquired. "'I'm looking after you,' he said. "'The weather here today is humid,' And almost rainy, but nonetheless the atmosphere, imbued somehow with a billion ghosts who've been here, played, partied, danced, fallen in love and written music about it, still knocks you sideways, even as you get off the plane. Had a light lunch and a beer, then mooched off down Copacabana along the water's edge to the Rio Palace Hotel at the far southern end where Copacabana meets Ipanema. We're not staying here and I was almost prevented from going upstairs by security who relented upon hearing my English mutterings. Went up to the terrace restaurant which was deserted and gazed out at the sea from the same spot we'd all had champagne breakfast on my first anniversary with the band. Poolside was dead. We're out of season. Took the lift up to room 401 to stare at the door and check the dreams were all real. I'd had such a fabulous week here two long years ago. I'd placed a huge map of South America above my bed. The room was full of fruit and flowers. The waves were crashing outside my open window. The air was warm and riding on it was the sound of samba drums. I was on the front page of the national newspaper and for a week I felt like I had the keys to Rio. And I felt like, finally after 30 years... I'd found the place where I belonged. Walked back to the Oton Palace and failed to find a beach whistle that I could wear around my neck tonight. Left for sound check at four thirty. All the usual problems with house systems. Never mind. The word is that the show is sold out, so we should just relax and enjoy it. Returned to the hotel to sleep, but the phone kept ringing. Lovely Jean Job the mother of our interpreter, Geraldine, who offered the band and crew a barbecue at their home in 1990 and became a good friend, called my room to wish me luck with the show. How thoughtful. People have a happy knack here of finding out where I am. South Americans have an ESP for these things. Spoke to Deborah Cohen, old chum from a and Records, who's quit the music business and is setting up a B&B on a tropical island asked her to reserve me a room as it turned out the show was more than sold out packed solid in a way that would have been illegal in the uk but this is rio the crowd were completely amazing exuberant to unfeasible proportions vocal passionate basically latin on stage sound was predictably difficult to work with I don't think I sang one note in tune all night. I couldn't hear myself against the band and the 3,500-strong choir. There was a Zenith Paris moment when I could only watch in disbelief as they screamed on and on and we had to wait for it to die down so that we could continue. Someone at the front caught my hand and wouldn't let go. The process of shaking free left my right wrist sore and bruised. It's a good thing they didn't get hold of the rest of me. Backstage after the show, we congratulated ourselves on having survived Brazil, although you never truly do. When the tour was first suggested, it looked on paper like it could all be pretty nightmarish for crew and band. Full marks to Alan Parker for being positive and cheerful when lesser men would have despaired at the working conditions. We returned to the hotel to change so that we could go out with the delightful Agnes from EMI. But when we got back, no one had the stamina to carry on, so we thanked her for the offer and went to bed to sleep the few hours before departure to the airport. I slept with the curtains and the windows open so I could once again listen to the sea and the heartbeat of the most wonderful city on earth. Thursday, 8th of October. Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, London, New York City, Boston. Hacked and checked out of the Oton Palace Hotel. It sounds simple, doesn't it? It wasn't. After much Brazilian prevarication, I was in a cab to the airport with Prev and Pete, contemplating the insane but irrevocable prospect of the flight from Rio to Boston via London. This may sound nuts, but it had been brought about by the fact that Muniz had bought our return flights to London as part of the tour proposal. Separate return flights from the UK to America had been similarly purchased via the American agent. To cancel these existing tickets and fly due north from Rio to Boston, although a few thousand miles shorter, would cost the band tens of thousands of pounds. It was hard to believe as I sat in the front seat that the cab driver hadn't been paid to murder us all. Ayrton Senna would have been nervous. Signed an autograph for the driver and entered the airport for the long check-in. Realised I'd left all my money and credit cards in the front of the cab. By some miracle, the cab was still waiting outside in the hope of a fare back into town and John A rushed out and returned with my wallet. I guess this is not a common outcome here in Rio de Janeiro. The flight to Boston via Sao Paulo, London and both New York airports is too boring to recount. It took 35 hours from leaving the Oton Palace to arriving at the guest quarters, Boston. During which, one, we were delayed for two hours at Sao Paulo due to a computer failure and we weren't allowed off the plane. Two, changing planes at Heathrow meant changing terminals. This took several hours, during which I bought a new watch, a comfort present to stave off the depressing thought that my home and family were a five-minute drive away. Bob Geldof and Paulie Yates were in the departure lounge. Three, we flew to JFK New York cattle class Bob and Paula didn't, they were up front, and then drove from JFK to LaGuardia, where check-in took hours and the flight was delayed. For, upon finally boarding the plane to Boston, a man was sitting in my seat. When I asked him why, he produced a boarding pass with my name on it. He had somehow been issued with this, even though I also had one with my name on it. I asked him if, bearing in mind he wasn't Mr Hogarth, he might move. He moved and the plane pulled back from the stand, at which point there was a huge bang like we'd hit a wall. The captain announced that there was nothing to worry about and it was just a tow bolt shearing off. We did, however, need to return to the stand for a further hour while the maintenance engineers checked there'd been no damage to the suspension of the nose wheel. Arrived at last in Boston, feeling beyond exhausted and hell-bent on rewarding ourselves somehow, so we took cabs across town in search of the excellent New England seafood here. Band and crew found Legal's seafood restaurant on the quayside, and I ate the best clam chowder on earth, followed by Ultimate Lobster. Thoroughly recommended. The lobster, I mean, not the journey. (laughs)
1: And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> and we've just had the b- bizarrest little conversation <laughs> off mic, which means you might not get Steve H for about 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> right. he, he's just revealed that... I'm going to have to share. I'm sorry, I'm going to have that, to share. That's he's, all right. It's common knowledge. He, he's he's revealed the fact that um, his... his has he quoted it? arse seems to be disappearing.
0: It's gone completely. I noticed about eight years ago. Uh, what happened to my ass? And where does it go? Is it absorbed into the body? Where, where, where? <laughs> I think it's just moved round onto my belly. You know, I've now got a belly where my ass used to be. <laughs> You're not permanently clenching, are you? <laughs> when you just don't realise it. I haven't got a crack in my belly. I hasten to, it's just it's just a belly button, not an arsehole.
1: <laughs> oh dear. Oh right, okay. Let's, oh, let's be, oh, oh. oh And you did mention you were thinking about having some form of
0: augmentation. Well yeah, just having it know, put back get one put in. Yeah. yeah, it's all the rage, isn't it? And, well, I don't know if blokes are doing it so much, but it's all the rage with the girls, isn't it? Having a, the Kardashian arse stuck in. And Lynetta says I can have a bit of hers. So... <laughs> <laughs> Which is really,
1: really generous of her.
0: <laughs> or maybe I could just go and have some lipo done on me, you know, on me stomach and just, just say, don't throw that in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a use for I'll that. I'll just turn over. <laughs> Stick it back in
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry, folks. this I mean, I'm, we don't normally come back from the diary quite as all over the place as that, but when that statement's thrown into the conversation just about as you press record, it, it throws you a little.
0: Yeah, no, it does.
1: So, um, I'm not going to ask you about diary this week, oh, only yeah. because um, mind, you put a poster on Instagram... We put a few posters on uh, um, posts on Instagram this week mm. um, of things we've talked about. So the the picture with the balloon went up, which was great.
0: Nelson, uh,
1: the the um, the warning sign on the Manchineal apple tree went up. It did equally great, and some mm-hmm. stuff with regard to the space station went up.
0: Yes, yes,
1: including yes, a man. photo that Jason Isaacs was photo bombing.
0: Yeah, you don't expect that, do you? No, um, he just part. I, and I see I don't watch a lot of films, so I, I just thought, who's that bloke? I've seen him? He's got a familiar face. It turns out he's a mega film star. But um, he was he, in the Harry Potter's, wasn't he? He was uh, Malfoy's dad, wasn't he? Mm. The long blonde mm. hair in the Harry Potter's, and then he's been in all sorts of other stuff. But and I think he was in, he was either in Star Wars or Star Trek or Star something. Um, and I think that's why he'd been invited to Easter that day. Mm. Um, and he was floating around and he made a little speech. And I really liked him. He was a nice guy, really, really humble. Uh, he's, he'd got his daughter with him as well. And my last um, m- memory of, of, of Jason was slightly embarrassing because we nicked his taxi uh L- and i had to go back to the airport it was getting a bit tight with the flight uh i think we were flying home about half six from uh, skiphol and it was a good good hour or so uh drive to the airport from from where we were at isa which was down near the hague and our 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 minder the 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 the, the lady from isa who had been assigned to sort of look after us um uh, and give vibes free gifts and stuff um, <laughs> but um, she, we I, I said, you know it's getting tight. can you organize us a car to go to the airport?" She said, yeah sure so she 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 got on the phone and got got as a got us a limo, and um she said, "Oh well, you can't get onto the site, so we'll just have to walk out of the gate and it'll be he'll be waiting for us on the corner. so we all walked out together. And we got to this sort of little grassy spot um where sure enough, parked on the grass with, with the hazard on was, was this Mercedes. And Jason Isaacs was just getting into it. And the lady from Isa pointed out that it to him it wasn't his car and she she turfed him back out. And uh, and we got in. <laughs> And the last <laughs> so we drove, I drove away from Issa waving to the this minder lady in while stood next to her, looking a little bit crestfallen, was Jason Isaacs and his daughter. but he took it again, he took it very well. he's a really nice guy, so uh, yeah, Nick in a Hollywood film star's car is uh, even by my standards was a new experience.
1: Well, we ought to. We ought to. um, This gives an opportunity because if we now say hello to Jason Isaacs, um, that will resonate with a few people listening to this because that's something that Mark uh, Commode and Simon Mayo do on their show. So on their film show, they always say hello to Jason Isaacs. So we we can do the same this week.
0: Why do they do that? They just took a shine. They
1: just, they just, they just know him and what have you, and wherever they are in in the in the episode, they always just say hello to Jason Isaacs. Well, so go-
0: yeah, hello, Jason. Hello. Uh, I know you're not listening, but if at some distant point in the future you find this podcast under a rock uh, and manage to decode it with the right technology that'll play it, uh, I'm sorry I nicked your car, and lots of love, and thanks for being such a gent.
1: And while you were while you were nattering, I had a quick look, and the answer is both. He's been involved in both Star Wars and Star Trek.
0: Ah, well, he's just he's just oozing space. That he's no one, oozing space. No, he's no, wonder he was there. Then. Oozing
1: space. I just had a quick look, and he uh, he was in Star Trek Discovery, uh, and he was nominated for a number of awards for that. But he also was in the Star Wars Rebels cartoon for four years, uh, doing voiceover for that. So uh-huh. there we have it he has he has involvement with both.
0: He was very, he was very funny he's
1: a uh, he's good laugh. Oh. He was brilliant in a film called The Death of Stalin. Uh, right. which if you haven't seen is absolutely fantastic and very 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 funny. Um, oh, which is um Armando Iannucci. So Thick of It guy and Alan yep. Partridge guy oh, and Veep and, uh, and, and amongst other things and that film is fantastic. Mm. He was very good in that.
0: Mm. So yes. Yeah. Mm
1: there's that right well i think I think we can probably wrap it up for chapter thirty two um we we've actually we've actually nailed three unique things today three as yet unheard things there's a new show coming there is uh and you know and it, whether people know about it by the time they hear this we're saying it for the first time so that's that's a that's a thing we are um there was the h band going to do some stuff. Um, and that knowing there's material available and around that the H band recorded that nobody knew about.
0: Maybe I should auction that off at Sotheby's.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Sotheby's might be overplaying it a little bit, but yeah, no, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> um, and 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 we know you have an issue with, you know, the times, the the, the sort of the sand of time in your rear end. <laughs> So that, so there we have
0: it. <laughs> I haven't got any sand in my rear end. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish I'm I did. i trying to refer to the ageing process. Been, but I, I, I really wish I did. I mean, I've been at the seaside.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Which actually means I could ask everybody who's listening the question I asked in the family quiz last night because that involved the seaside because I was sat on the beach at Filey in on the oh, Yorkshire coast. Yeah, yeah. If you if you go directly eastwards from Filey, go across the North Sea, what country do you hit? That's your that's your question. Mm. Answers on a postcard, literally no prize available.
0: Oh, I got it wrong.
1: Mm. I got it wrong when yeah. I asked the question first time round and we had to work I it I said out. Sri I didn't Lanka right. or
0: something didn't I yeah. be... Right well I'll see you next week. New Delhi
1: Right. New Delhi. <laughs> it's
0: a long way from Filey to New Delhi. It is. It In is. every way. Right, well, yes, we'll see you next week. Have we been any good this week? Yeah, I think... Do you know what? I think we have, actually.
1: I, th- I, we think, we've, I think we've been all right. I think we've been all right. I think uh, it depends whether you're taking Chapter 30 when we were pissed as a high bar or a low bar. Low, I think. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> um, so, so, so if we take that as the bar, but yeah, I think we've been all right. We've been all right.
0: Yeah, right, I'll, I'll chat to you. Uh, I'll chat to you next time. Okay, Anthony. Do have a lovely week, and you too, and um, and all of that. And uh, well, I'll probably see you fairly soon. Yes, yes. Take care. Take care. Bye. Oh, Lillian. I'm sorry. I'm never going to get this right. Boom, sema. Boom, sema. Boom, sema. It's Swedish. Hold the phone. Lillian Boom, sema. <laughs>